God, the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever you ask of you. He replied, What do you wish for me to do for you today? And they answered him, Grant that in your glory we may sit at your right and the other at your left. You do not know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, We can. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right or at my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, they became indignant at James and John. And Jesus summoned them and said to them, You know that those who are recognized as rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones make their authority over them felt. But it shall not be so among you. Rather, Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you will be a slave to all. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. The Gospel of the Lord. In the book of Judges, we encounter rather a powerful figure, to whom I suspect you're familiar, known as Gideon. <laughs> People were always offending the Lord and breaking the covenant. So they opened themselves up to destruction by their enemies. God would raise up a judge to save Israel. So he appears to Gideon and calls him to save the nation. Why? Well, I think Gideon's response tells us something. Gideon says, How can I do this? My family is the least in all of Manasseh, and I am the least of all of my father's people. He was a humble man. He considered himself to be a nothing. How could God call him? And God's response? All of us, God's response. I am with you. Of which you need nothing else. So he raises an army of 32,000 men to go against an invading army of 100,000 or more. They were like locusts. And yet God says to Gideon, Your army is too strong lest you should vaunt yourself and think that your victory was yours and not mine. 
Tell the cowards to go home. 22,000 left, leaving him with an army of 10. And God says, your, your army is still too strong. When you come to the river, separate those who kneel down to drink from those who scoop up the water in their hands and drink like dogs. 300. God says, there's your army. And then you will conquer. And they do. Because of the humility of Gideon and God working with nothing. A ragtag army of 300 men is going to defeat this incredible army coming against them. And they did. A strange thing of humility, isn't it? God's choosing nothing to do something. You see it over and over again in the scriptures. The most powerful example, of course, being the Blessed Mother. In today's gospel, we see the whole lesson on humility. By the way, do you remember what St. Augustine said? <clears throat> he was asked once what the three most necessary virtues were. He said, the first is humility, the second is humility, and the third is humility. And as often as you ask me, I will give you the same answer. You might ask why. Because humility overcomes the greatest of all sins. The first sin, the original sin, that which underlies all sin, pride. It's the essential element of any change in one's life. The humility, first of all, to realize that change must be made. The humility to realize that we can't do it. And the humility to let God do what God alone can do. Today's gospel, again, being a classic example. In the gospel of St. Mark, it's James and John who ask the question. The other gospels is their mother. In this case, it's James and John. And they have something to ask him. The sons of Zebedee. And the Lord says, what do you wish me to do for you? Granted, in your glory, notice, in your glory, they had not been paying any attention at all to what he's been telling them about why he's come. He's told them several times already. He's come to suffer and die. And they say, in your glory, we may sit at your right and the other at your left in this political kingdom that you've come to bring, even though you've told us several times already you've come to suffer and to die. You've come to be humiliated. And our Lord says to them, you don't know what you're asking. And they don't. They don't. He says, can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized in the with the baptism with which I am baptized? What's the cup? The cup is the cup in the garden. It's the cup of suffering and death. The cup of the cross. And that's his baptism too baptized into his suffering and death, into his passion. He's asking them if they can do the same thing. They, of course, misunderstand the question completely. And they say, we can. We can. <laughs> and our Lord says to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. James is the first martyr. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. <coughs> And the others are indignant. They're angry. Of course. They want it. They're no less ambition, ambitious than James and John. They're just angry at James and John for daring to suggest before they did. Our Lord then, once over and over again in the scriptures, he does it now, he will do it again at the Last Supper. He must explain to them yet one more time 
what it means to be one of his followers. And so he says, he, he says, you know how it is with the Gentiles. It can't be that way with you. Whoever wishes to be great among you will be your servant. Whoever wishes to be the first among you will be the last, the slave of all, a slave. The word doulos, not just servant, but slave. Slave does ugly work, dirty work. Is used count, I think, 37 times in the New Testament. It says, We'll be the slave of all. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, they will not understand the reason for his coming, even though he emphasizes it over and over again to give his life as a ransom for many. So you and I then have to deal with the reality of humility, and it's not an easy thing to do, as we all know. Because as I said, it demands radical honesty and the realization of our own inability to accomplish what we would like to see done. And only God alone can do that. <clears throat> and so, we are always having to reflect upon, first of all, the humility of God, who gives us the example of what we must do. He, our Lord came to not only just tell us, but to show us. So God will endure the ultimate humiliation of taking upon himself, first of all, a human nature. But God, to take a human nature, is an act of infinite humility. Secondly, that he would live among us, endure rejection, misunderstanding, the hatred of humanity, and finally, by his own creatures that he has come to redeem, to be condemned, mutilated, and crucified. That's the humility of God. And that's what we have to look ourselves to realize what in fact humility means and what we must become. But beyond that, it doesn't stop, does it? You and I have experienced his presence and his humility over and over again. To then remain present with us in his body and blood, under the appearances of bread and wine. That too is an infinite humiliation, out of love for us. Even though he's ignored and rejected, denied, smothered, still he remains with us to come to us in the reality of his person, in the reality of his resurrection, in the reality of his sacrifice. So we come here, not often thinking about it, we come here to be present for and to witness an act of infinite humiliation at the altar, the sacrifice. The sacrifice in the Mass is just that. And then we also witness this as he remains with us. And then still further, in the humility of God, to remain consistently in the tabernacle, even though, again, for the most part ignored, at least ignored, if not actually rejected. But God doesn't give up. The love of God does such things. And we don't really realize the great consolation we give to him when we come into his presence. Our Lord came because he was desperate for human love. Not because he needed it, because we did. He was desperate for our love and for our friendship. So badly does he want it, he is willing to humiliate himself now until the end of time, just to make that possible. And he will choose us if 
we are willing to become so. If we're willing to become nothing, he will then choose us to become something. I ran across a very short poem by a 19th century poet the other day, entitled Father Damien, referring to St. Damien of Malachi. Well, less than humility, there it is. First of all, to be a leper, to work with him, and to become one. And <coughs> just entitled Father Damien, I think it's a great way to conclude. He said, O oh God, the cleanest offering of tainted earth below, unblushing to thy feet we bring, a leper white as snow. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you the people redeemed by the blood of your Son, trusting in your love and mercy. For the church throughout the world, that her members will always be visible signs of the humble love of God. For the healing and strengthening of the church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. For all nations in the world, especially our own, they will learn through the humble love of God, the love of God for them, and bring them to conversion. We pray to the Lord. Lord For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, the lonely, the frustrated, the confused, that they may know that they are united to God, particularly in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith, we pray to the Lord. Lord For greater respect for human life, and especially this month and today, for life in the womb, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For an increase in vocations to preach them in the consecrated life, those young men and women who have the courage of the gospel and the humility of the gospel, for a greater reverence for the call of marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, for having first themselves humble themselves before God, they may then call others. We pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rescue unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed for those who suffer from scandal and those who have caused it, we pray to the Lord. And finally, for all of us here, that we may learn the humility of God, and having brought ourselves humbly to the feet of God, we may then allow Him to use us as He wishes. We pray to the Lord. We now join our prayers to those of the most humble of all.